the BCJ Podcast on BearcatJournal.com. I'm Chad Brendel, joined this week exclusively by my partner David Simone as we take a look back at the victory on the road at SMU to move the Bearcats to 7-1. and one. We'll get a preview of this week's game against Navy as the midshipmen come to town for a 3.30 kickoff on Saturday at Nippert Stadium. And then uh, we'll, we'll maybe dabble into a little bit of basketball talk as uh, I got a little peek, sneak peek of the brand new Fifth Third Arena this afternoon. Uh, the, it wasn't expected. It was a surprise sneak peek. It was like, hey, you want to go see the arena? Uh, yes. Yes, I do. I would like that. So uh, we'll talk about that and the uh, what we want to see maybe. From the scrimmage against Tusculum, I don't really know that we want to see anything from the scrimmage, but we'll see what Dave wants to see from the arena, his access to uh, the bars and the uh, the amenities that have been added to the new Fifth Third Arena. So we will, uh, we'll get into that towards the end. But first, Cincinnati goes uh, on the road to Dallas. Uh, play well in some spots, don't play well in some other spots. They saw a 17-7 lead kind of evaporate into a 20-17 deficit. Cole Smith hits a 41-yard field goal to send it to overtime. And then the freak, James Wiggins, picks off a pass on third and two and takes it 86 yards to the house as the Bearcats are victorious against the Mustangs. And a little bit of retribution for what happened last year in overtime against SMU when they converted fourth and 26. (laughs) Oh, that one's still boils the blood a little bit when you think about it but uh dave well what, what were your uh, your overall takeaways uh and for those wondering uh dave did not make it out to our watch party with taft's brewporium an excellent time at taft's brewporium we uh we all had a heck of a lot of fun and uh it was another very nice crowd and uh the beer was flowing the pizza was delicious we had a, a fantastic time, but we did so without Dave because he's superstitious and he could not uh, could not handle getting himself to Taft's for an away game. But it worked. Oh, That's all that really matters, I can, right? Is it worked? I could handle it, but yes, you're welcome. Because <laughs> I, my superstition proves to be correct again. Uh, I no doubt would have had a fun time, but that fun would have been negated if, say, I was there and Cole Smith missed that kick to go into overtime. You know, I would have again said I should have just stayed home. But uh, what was the reaction like uh, in Taft when Cole made the kick one to the third kick to actually go in to overtime and then on the James Wiggins interception? Well, there were obviously after the uh, the Temple game, there were a lot of nerves, and then watching him make it twice, um, <laughs> I think people were a little on edge uh, about that third kick. And I actually I was joking with Cole about it today. Uh, I mean, he, clearly he pushed it wide, right? And he had the hook on the because the first two, so the second one was about as good a kick as he's probably ever kicked in his life. Uh, the third one started way right, and he said when it came off his foot, he just kind of looked at it like you've got to be kidding me. And then that thing had a hell of a draw. Was it a draw that goes right yeah, to left or it, again? It, it, it is a draw. Uh, yeah, because he's really not a 
he's not much of a movement kicker. I mean, most of his stuff is pretty, pretty straight. So yeah, I mean, when I watch it on TV, definitely, you know, from, you know, it was definitely started out to the right. And I was like, oh, you gotta be kidding me. Cause you know, say what you want. College kickers across the board usually aren't the most reliable. So, you know, ma- nailing. I mean, he striped the first two. Yeah. So you know, it, it only you, know, you can't help it sometimes to to creep in and go, man, is he really? Are they really going to make it? You know, three in a row. But I mean, he he got it done. The place went. Pretty wild on that one. The funny part is uh, the the wife and little one went with me, and then uh, my dad and stepmom were taking the little one, um, and they had somewhere to be at like 7.30. So they were out in the parking lot when overtime started and, you know, saying their goodbyes, whatever, getting all my daughter's stuff out of the car. And then my wife said all of a sudden she, like, looked inside, and the place just absolutely exploded uh, when Wiggins picked it off. She came back in. She was not a happy camper. Not a happy camper that she missed it. I would, how many people didn't quite realize that the game was over while he was returning that? Um, I mean, it was a pretty big crowd, so you, you didn't really get like a one-on-one. I think everybody that we were around, <laughs> we were around a bunch of members that understood like right. that's a wrap. And, and I want to say, first off, before we really, really get too deep into this, thank you to everyone that showed up um, the last couple weeks. I know – we were there four out of five weekends at Taft's, and I know that can be a bit of a strain, um, but every week was really, really good. Uh, the Temple game, I was told, was either their first or second busiest day that they've ever had. Oh, wow. And then this week again, I mean, it's hard to call that place ever full. It was pretty full for the Temple game. It's hard to call that place ever full, but all the tables were occupied. The bar was full. It was a, another really, really strong crowd. Uh, the people at Taft's, when they first had me and uh, me and Berg in to talk about things, they said they, they wanted it to be a UC bar. And you guys, thank you so very much. You have turned that into a UC bar. Um, even uh, they there was some uh, concern that, you know, they were going to have to split a lot of the TVs to uh, FC Cincinnati for their playoff game. And they they I think eventually at halftime of the UC game, they put one of all the TVs in the building on the FCC game, all the rest of the TVs stayed on the Bearcat game. Uh, it was very much a pro Bearcat crowd, uh, very much a uh, big success for Bearcat Journal and the partnership with Taft. So thanks again well, to everybody. I met a lot of new members, uh, had a really great time, and I look forward to doing more of those in the future because I think we found a spot that really – kind of connects with, you know, watching games and having beer and having some pizza if you want to eat and uh, not being crammed into a tiny little spot uh, just for for everything that is like hanging out and watching a football game. Tasks work great for us. So thanks to them. Thanks to you guys for coming out. It's a, it's much, it's greatly appreciated. Absolutely. Um, but I mean, what a, what a roller coaster, you know, they, they go down the field on that first drive, Dave. And it was like, Oh, well, <laughs> Erased all the demons from last week. This is going to be a lot of fun. Four four plays, and I think the shortest one was the first one, which was a twelve yard run by Mike Warren. Not a whole lot of fun after that. Although you got to tip your cap to Khalil Lewis after a really rough week against Temple, 
for him to come back, 12 catches, 170 yards, couple touchdowns, and, and really he was kind of the guy that made the offense go. Des made a couple really nice throws, um, and, and you know the, those two had it working, which was very necessary uh, for the uh, for the su- success of the offense. Yeah, I mean, I think like we've kind of talked about. You know, I'm not sure how good or bad SMU is, but they're we've just they've kind of continued that trend of playing little better teams, whether it was Tulane, then Temple, then SMU, now Navy. You know, they're just doing a couple different things that the other teams that UC played earlier in the season weren't able to do. I thought they did a nice job of of defending the run, and they were they were pretty hell bent on stopping the run. I mean, they were firing their linebackers pretty regularly and in I feel like UC probably thought that was going to be the case and that was why they went you know much more pass heavy than what we had seen throughout the year um you know obviously I would like it if you know we can go a game now without you know turning the ball over inside inside of our own 10 yard line that would be would be beneficial I mean really SMU's offense the first half was a one-play, seven-yard touchdown pass. Other than that, they didn't do anything. Yeah. So, you know, we had a turnover, you know, in that situation. Then we had a turnover on their – inside their 15-yard line, had a turnover on downs on their 27-yard line, another one on their – inside their 15-yard line. So, it was kind of a, a – similar situation to where you kind of dig in your own grave, so to speak, but these guys have, you know, found a way to, to overcome that, which is always good. I would just like to see them kind of try to minimize or minimize those errors because that game really probably should have been about 24 or 28 to nothing, say 28, seven at halftime. And then obviously it's a totally different game, but that's what you get when, you know, like we've talked about, still a young quarterback. You got a young center. You got wide receivers that as the competition gets better, you know, outside of Khalil Lewis, didn't really do much in the game uh, at SMU. So it's still a work in progress, but it's nice to be a work in progress at 7-1 and one and can see the tangible strides that they're making even from the beginning of the season to this point. Yeah, I mean, you know, it, and I get, like, it can be frustrating at times watching the ups and downs, but I think, you know, that's where it comes in, like, when we talked about playing the easier teams earlier in the year, is they don't really make you pay for your mistakes. As you play better teams, you have to start, playing better and and stop making mistakes or when you make those mistakes you have to expect when you give it to at the seven give it to him at the seven guess what a one play seven yard touchdown drive is happening so i mean that's the nature of the beast that's what you're gonna have to deal with like if they make mistakes against navy guess what they're gonna pay at a level that that's greater than what they've had happen against tulsa and smu or right. Tulane, and S- Tulane and SMU. I mean, that that's, same. you know, it, it's same for USF and same, same for UCF. They are the same teams. Um, 
But, you know, it's getting to the point now where there is more consistency. There is, even if it gets a little bit frustrating, and even if, you know, the inopportune turnovers, uh, one while you're driving um, last week, and then and then one while you're you're deep in your own territory, uh, those those things are frustrating. But the consistency is much better, and, and it's going to continue to improve as the season goes on. And now you've got to wipe out, you know. I thought, you know, the penalty situation that we had seen in the past couple games was much improved uh, against SMU. You didn't see a bunch of those. You didn't see especially kind of the untimely back-breaking ones. Uh, hat tip to the SMU uh, player that, that caught his quarterback so Brian Wright didn't get a suplex call. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that one could have been the end of the game. Um, well, I mean – there were a lot of weird things that happened towards the end that broke yeah. in UC's in UC's favor. But you know what? You play twelve games, you play close games. That's going to happen, you know. And you just hope that you're on the the better side of that. I mean, I mean against Temple, know, against Temple, all the things broke Temple's way for them to right. win. So it, it evens so, itself out. So you know, it, it it ends up evening itself out over over the course of an entire season. Um, you know, today Luke talked, you know, about this game, talked about Navy coming up. Did he, did anyone ask him, did he have any comments just kind of about the game management of uh, on his end? Cause I know some people and myself included, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, and you know me and I think our fans and listeners know me. I'm ultra, ultra aggressive in my philosophy on how to play the college game. But even I was kind of like, you know, at, at that one time when they went for it on fourth and three from the 15, I was even saying kick it. Did he have any comments about that today? Yeah, I asked him specifically about that play, and, and he said, well, when I said about the fourth down play, he said, well, which one? We had a lot of them. Um, <laughs> uh, but he said, you know, ultimately he felt comfortable that they had been moving the ball pretty regularly against SMU's defense. And he felt it was a chance to to snatch momentum. And, you know, he said, looking back, in hindsight, yeah, you probably kicked the field goal there. Uh, but he was kind of playing, you know, the feel he had for the game and the feel he had for what his offense was doing. And, I mean, I, I don't fault that. Like, I, I don't think that's terrible logic. It was – No, and I, I were, agree to a certain extent. But, like, he, he even mentioned, I think, talking about it being the sixth drive. Yeah, of well, the yeah, game and my and my thinking of it is okay it's the sixth drive kick the field goal hopefully you go up 10 or you go up three 10 seven SMU hasn't even like scared you into getting a first down I mean they actually went the whole game without getting a first down rushing which I just is is mind-boggling <laughs> in and of itself but it's like get make the field goal get the ball back, go up, maybe score then, and you're up 17-7 going into halftime, and they get the ball, and maybe you stop. I mean, obviously, we're playing so many what-ifs and and the whole whole world of sports. Well, but I think think from his perspective, maybe it's, it's the same line of thinking other than they haven't moved the ball on us. Let's get a touchdown here. Oh, no, and that's what I said. I mean, I... I get it. I just look at, you know, sometimes 
it had seemed like they had bogged down a little bit when they had gotten into the red zone earlier in the game with the turnover, the interception, and then going for it a time before that on fourth and three from the 27, which I really didn't have a problem with that one at all. Um, yeah, you know, whether it was the play call or execution could be argued one way or the other, but on this particular one, I was kind of, you know, we'll just kick it and, and take the lead and hopefully, you know, go from there. But again, it's, it's very 50, 50. I mean, I, I will never, I will find it very hard to believe or very few times where I will be critical of him being aggressive in that regard. Yeah, and I and I mean I think that's kind of where he approached it from was he felt like they could get the three yards, so he went for the three yards. I, I think he you know he he didn't really try to over over explain it or or you know try to talk over your head. It was just I had a feeling like we felt like we could we could get a jump on him there, and that was an opportunity for it and. We went for seven, and looking back, yeah, maybe we should have gone for three, but that's a situation where we've seen more than a couple times he's going to be aggressive. He's going to push the envelope, and he's not going to – you know, I, I think when we look at what we thought he was going to be, right, kind of, you know, the the quote-unquote trestle ball and, and – run the ball and play defense and he's been a lot of those things but he's also been a guy that's that has allowed his offense the chance to make plays well i think a big part of that is the confidence that they have in the defense right now absolutely absolutely because his thinking is okay we're gonna go for this if we get it we're probably gonna score a touchdown or maybe we don't we kick a field goal if we don't get it they're not going 85 yards on our defense. So at worst case, maybe they get a first down, maybe they get two, and they punt, and we've got to drive again. So he's just saying, well, I'm going to play the percentages. I'm going to play the field position that we either score or they stop us and have to go 85 yards, and they're not going to do that. So we're going to get the ball back in pretty good field position to try to go at it again and get something before half. Yeah, I mean, and that's kind of where he's coming from, and I – I, I don't have any problem with that answer. Like you, I don't I don't have a whole lot of problem with aggression. I, I don't have a whole lot of problem with, you know, we've got a chance to to get a leg up here, so let's do it. And if it works, great. If it doesn't, I mean, he seems to have displayed a pretty good understanding of I know that I'm going to be questioned for some of these things if I if I am aggressive, but I'd much rather answer those questions from the point of trying to make something happen than to be in reactionary and you know they don't go for it and Cole Smith misses a field goal or what you know whatever the case may be. Right. Um, no, I mean I be confident in whatever your your decision is, and I think he's he's been that, and that's all you can ask for. I think you know, kind of switching a little bit over to the defense, which, again, outside of, you know, two drives was fantastic all day. It's unfortunate that now, I mean, obviously Navy's not going to throw the ball, but the final three games with USF, UCF, and East Carolina, they're going to sling it. And I was getting comfortable in the sense of that watching teams where the only chance they had to move the ball passing was to just throw it deep and pray that their guy caught it. Cause I feel like that was SMU's entire 
offensive game plan in the second half was just chuck it and maybe we'll get catch it or they'll commit pass interference. You know what? It was kind of Temple's too. I know. So I'm, and I mean, I, I was talking with a couple guys about that today. Like, um, what do you guys think that you know teams are kind of looking at it that way? And it's like oh, I get it because they're not they're not getting anything in the flats. They're not really getting anything over the middle. They're not really able to attack this defense in a 15-yard box with any regularity. So take your chances, drop back, chuck it 25 yards down the field. You know, if it's an interception, it ends up being an arm punt. If it's 15 yards or pass interference, you get 15 yards. And if they come down with it, and there's been a couple guys that have made some really tough contested catches on oh, yeah. passes that have been completed over the past two games. So <clears throat> if that's going to be your game plan, I mean, go for it. Well, especially Good against, luck. As, yeah, I mean, especially in SMU, they put a lot of pressure on Ben Hicks. I mean, there were several times where they absolutely drilled him as he was letting go of the ball. So there, I mean, there was no way – any time that he dropped back more than really three, four, five-step drop, if something wasn't there immediately, he was leaving the pocket or he was getting getting hit. So it was really a lot of three-step, hitch on the back foot and lob it out there, you know, 25, 30, 35 yards and hope your guy runs under it or hope, you know, there's a, a penalty. But they were, re- I mean, real, real impressive you know, knowing that SMU maybe tried to run the ball, but they certainly weren't able to with whatever uh, new offensive line group they had together for that game. That was just not not going to be something that they could do. But, um, you know, it, it's good to see because it was probably, you know, maybe to me my biggest – maybe my biggest concern going into the season just because – none of the defensive backs had ever played the position at UC that they were lining up to play. Right. And the defensive line had been so bad at putting pressure on the quarterback. So, I mean, those two things usually don't go well together, new defensive backs and not pressuring the quarterback. And we've kind of obviously gotten both, you know, working pretty well together at the same time. Dave, real quick before we get into uh, to, to talking about Navy, I just want to say first off, uh, thanks to the fine folks at 513shirts.com. If you were at the watch party, you had a chance to, uh, to check out the gear. I had on the Red Helms uh, t-shirt. My wife and my dad had on the, uh, the Bearcat Journal t-shirts. Uh, I've got a hoodie as well that I just got last week that is fantastic. We are getting some hats in. We got the patches designed, some stickers uh, a lot, a lot, a lot of great stuff. Go to 513shirts.com and uh, click on Partners. Go down to Bearcat Journal. You can get all your Bearcat Journal gear right there. If you spend over $55, you get free shipping. Great Christmas gifts. Uh, I know a couple people I talked to at the, uh, the, the, the watch party said that they were next in line to get their gear from 513shirts.com. Uh, the, the material is great. The quality is great. And make sure you check it out. Uh, the, the, the Red Helm shirts, uh, obviously the, the long-running joke on BearcatJournal.com about uh, the, the great player that could have been in Red Helms. Uh, and then the BCJ logo stuff. I, I, 
I had a couple ideas. Um, they were terrible in terms of uh, what we actually got. Uh, the shirts are great and uh, very happy with it. So 513shirts.com. Check out Partners and uh, Bearcat Journal. Get your Bearcat Journal gear there. Do some shopping on the rest of the site. Spend over 55 bucks, You get free shipping. Um, let's, uh, let's put a wrap on SMU. I think, uh, I think we've touched on pretty much all we needed to there. Um, as, uh, if you, if you follow me on Twitter, you saw my tweet today from practice. I, I still, this, it, it, it's a miracle to me that four weeks after having a pin, a plate, a rod and seven pins inserted into his ankle, Garrett Campbell was back out on the practice field. Now, he didn't practice much, didn't do a whole lot. He had some large contraption on his foot as well. He, I, of course. I mean, you're going to have to protect it. And he, everybody yeah. else was in full pads. He was in shorts. Didn't have the knee braces that everybody has on. He wasn't out there in full contact. Um, he's not coming back this week. But he's going to be back before the season's over. And not he's going to be back for a bowl game. That's unbelievable to me. One, the healing power of that dude. And two, the toughness of I've been doing this for six years and I'm not going to miss the end of my season. I'm not going to miss my senior day. Uh, and, and you could see a lot of guys today walking up to him and, you know, dapping him up a little bit, give him a little hug and uh, just really, really happy to see him back out there and, emotionally that's got to be a lift for the team to have him back on the field. Oh, I would think so. And I mean, like you said, you're not going through all of this. And then today dressing out in full pads, if you're not going to play until December 15th at the earliest, that's like the first bowl game, I think is December 15th. So a month and a half away, if that's your goal, you're not practicing today. Yeah, I mean, it, you so have to you're think probably his goal looking is... at, I would say I... a unrealistic, but I mean, maybe it's a target would be next week, but probably more so the last two games. Is that? I mean, does that sound about right? Yeah, I mean, I think I would, I would be cautiously optimistic about UCF. Uh, I, I don't think there's any question he's back for senior day. Yeah. At, at all uh, at this point. I mean, yeah, I mean barring some kind of setback. Almost a month from now, so. Yeah. Barring some kind of serious setback, I fully expect him to be out there for senior day, which when that happened, I didn't think there was any human way possible. No. Um, And then also today, another guy, uh, first time I've seen him on the field since camp. Now, Kevin Muhan? No. Muhan's actually out there quite a bit. I mean, he can't oh. do much. Um, no, Jared Dokes was uh, was was doing some uh, light running on the sidelines today. Oh, nice. No, he was in shorts and, and a jersey, but no shoulder pads, no, yeah. no contact, not out with the team practicing, not out doing any drills or anything, but um, – and I don't – I have no idea, what, you know, when, when he'll be back at all. Uh, I know the, the, the normal recovery time from what I've heard from his surgery is like 12 weeks. And again, yeah, that, was, I mean, that's, that was four weeks ago. That's totally different than 
Yeah. An offensive lineman fighting through an ankle in his sixties season. We're talking about a running back with a groin. Like, you know, that's that's going to take much, much longer, and they're going to be much, much more careful with that. Yes. But it was good to see him back out there. Um, oh, no doubt about it. On on the on the Navy front for this week, uh, I obviously I can't give it away. There's some things, but I do think you're going to see some uh, some different philosophies. Maybe uh, I'll call it on defense, uh, which I mean I, I think you have to expect for Navy. Yeah, I mean it's a you know they can line have... up and play your standard defense against Navy. No. No, absolutely not. And they're not having their typical Navy season. They've been very consistent and, you know, getting to that seven, eight, nine win every year. They're two and six. And really, their wins are at home against Memphis in a rainstorm who's not as good as we all thought coming into the season. And they beat Lehigh. So they have one FBS win. They've lost five in a row. Uh, you know, their defense is not very good. Gave up 31 to SMU, 35 to Air Force, 49 to Houston, and 44 to Notre Dame last week. They can still, you know, they're still going to do their thing. They're going to run for a ton of yards. That's never, you're never going to just stop them from running for 250, 350 yards. It's the last year. You can't let them run for 500. Um, but, you know, they're just not the same team. Um, you know, Malcolm Perry, by far their best player. A little over 800 yards, seven rushing touchdowns. They've actually played three quarterbacks this year. Him, Zach Abbey, who UC fans are familiar with, he was their primary quarterback last year, who really he's not much of a threat outside of goal line situations as he has 25 carries this year. And 10 touchdowns. That's pretty good. Yeah, good good conversion rate. But they really don't use him that much. Um, in outside of that situation, their main quarterback this year is Garrett Lewis. You know, as you can expect, two passing touchdowns, two interceptions, four rushing touchdowns. Um, but to me, it all starts with that dive play with the B-back. You know, I feel like everything feeds off of that for them. If they're given that dive play and they're getting four or five, six yards on that, it just it opens everything up on the outside. You know, they're not throwing the ball. They've only thrown the ball, uh, what, 16 times the last three games. So, you know, you always have to kind of keep that in the back of your mind. I know they slid out the tight end or wide receiver against UC a couple times for long long plays last year, but this game is is totally on UC's improved speed on defense and the ability of the linebackers and the defensive backs to get off blocks because that's where they got killed last year. I, I'm not real worried about, you know, the defensive line or the, you know, Brian Wright in the middle, but it's just they didn't get off blocks last year, and they got a whole new group of guys this year who haven't played against this offense before in a live game, and they can practice it all they want, but it's not the same. 
So, you know, can the corners get off the blocks and can the safeties fill and recognize the plays as they're being developed and, and make sure tackles, you have to be able to make tackles against Navy. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, that's the, the huge difference in what we've seen from the back seven this year has been their ability to make tackles in space, the ability to make stops, the, the ability to, to keep teams. I mean, how many times have we seen this year, a team runs the ball or throws the ball to the outside and it ends up 17 yards down the field when somebody had a chance to play at the line of scrimmage, make a play at the line of scrimmage. We're just not seeing it much. Right. We're, we're seeing those guys come up and make plays. Now it's a little different against Navy because guys are coming at your knees. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, that's a, you know, a bit of a different challenge, but I think you're going to see this team fly to the ball a lot better on the outside than we saw last year. Um, you know, Luke made a great point that I that I forgot about, um, as he gave me gave me grief in the press conference today, which seems to have become a weekly thing. He likes to pick on me, which is fine. I'm a big boy; I can handle it. <laughs> um, Perry Young didn't play that first half last year when Navy no. was was dominating, getting the ball to the edge, and that's especially last year. That was your one guy that could make plays in space. I feel like now. You've got two of those guys on the outside in Malik Clemens and Perry Young. Right. So I think you're in much better shape there, and you should be able to allow your defensive backs to, to come up and make plays. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the whole thing. I mean, they're, they're a very hard team to prep for, but they're not a very hard team to understand what you need to do well. They're, I mean, that's what they are. Yeah, but if you can't if you can't stop it, it's going to be a long day. But you know, on the on the flip side, I don't think their defense is as good as it was last year. Um, they're they're playing a lot of real real soft zone coverage, trying not to to give up big plays. You know, the last three games, each of the quarterbacks have thrown for over three hundred yards. Temple, Houston, Notre Dame. Houston threw for 413, you know, Notre Dame last week threw for 330 and had a running back go for 142. So, you know, these are, these are those type of games at home. You know, you need to be able to, to start fast again. And, you know, last year's game, they, they got down 14, nothing like it was, you know, nothing, which they did in every game last year. Felt like. So it wasn't a surprise. But from that point on, they played, you know, even if not better, but they dug themselves the hole. And that's the thing with Navy is you're not, you're going to, you probably get, I don't know, 10 to 12 possessions in a normal college game. You're going to get eight, eight, nine, 10 possessions. So you can't dig yourself a hole because you're just not going to get the ball enough times with the way that they run their offense and with the way you see runs their offense, this could be one of the fastest games of the year, you know, because they're obviously they're going to run the ball and maybe they'll throw it a little bit more like they did against SMU. But, you know, I find it hard to believe they're not going to give Mike Warren the ball a week after Navy gave up, you know, 250 yards rushing to Notre Dame. 
Yeah, I I want to feel confident about this one, and and as if you told me that UC won the turnover battle, I'd feel very confident in saying the Bearcats are going to win because Navy just simply they don't have a good defense. I don't I don't think that's really even quite. You know what I mean? Like that's not even up for debate. No, the defense is, the defense is not good. This should give the offense a chance to get back into their comfort zone. As long as they don't cough up the ball, I feel like they should be able to get enough stops against the triple option to win this game offensively at home. I mean, that's – but we've seen the past two weeks, there's a lot of holes in feet from uh, from shotgun shots. Mm-hmm. Plaxico Burris thinks they've shot themselves in the leg a lot over the past couple of weeks. Yeah, I mean, so, that's the thing that's got to be frustrating is, you know, you really look at the SMU game. I call it six turnovers. I eh, mean, you, come on. You, uh, eh, I don't like that. I, you you turn the ball over on downs in an opportunity where you could choose to score points. To me, that's a turnover. That possession to me, it's didn't not. End it, in, it, you didn't, didn't end in a kick. So? That's not a turnover to me. Sorry. We disagree there, but that's okay. You can you can be on the same side of an argument as Chick Ludwig and uh I'm okay with that. Well, I don't want to be I don't want that to happen. That's where you were. He kept saying six turnovers all freaking day on WLW <laughs> and I was I wanted to drive off the road. Cincinnati was six turnovers. They did not freaking have six turnovers. Well, I wouldn't like, I wouldn't phrase it that way. I mean, they're, they're not like the tur- you know, but you know what I mean. I know it's mean, I just I just, you know, yes, they can't. They have to take advantage of of all all possessions, just because you're not going to have as many as you would have against SMU, against South Florida, right. you know, teams like that. You're, so you can't you can't have eight possessions and two of them be turnovers because you're probably not going to score touchdowns on the other six. Right, I agree. So, prediction, what you got? Um, I think the offense gets more back on track this week. I'm going to say 31-20. I think that sounds about right. I'm going to go 34-24. Bearcats win. But yeah, I should, I should, that was implied, I guess. Bearcats win. Yeah. Um. The line is what twelve? Oof. Thirteen? No, thirteen and a half. Wow! They, they bet it's been bet up. No, it opened at fourteen. It opened at fourteen. Oh my gosh! Wow. <laughs> yes, I was kind of surprised, but but I mean, I don't, I don't know about that one. <laughs> it, it teams with the, I mean, they're giving up points. Though. I mean, they give up. Yeah. Obviously, it's a two months ago, but the first game of the year. Hawaii was terrible last year and hung 59 on him. Now Hawaii's been much better this year than I think people thought they were going to be. But, you know, 59 is 59. And 49 and 44 and, you know, those are those are big numbers. Yeah, they are. Um, the, the, the offense just has to, to consistently get on track and, I, and not shoot themselves in the foot. And I think this can... Um, I think this can be, you know, a, a good situation. 
for the Bearcats. Uh, we got a. I'll, I'll tease something for tomorrow. I got a story going. I got a story going up on the in the morning, and there's some people that have asked uh, Shane to catch up with some of the guys who are uh, at the end of their high school season. Some of the guys that are committed, yeah. you know, kind of to see where they stand. And uh, this is a quote from one of the commits. I won't say who. You can find out tomorrow. It says, uh, "Not even Ohio State could flip my commitment. Cincinnati, <laughs> Cincinnati is the next big thing." All right. I like it. I like that. That's pretty good. It's pretty good. Dave, before we get to basketball, I just want to remind everyone of the official coffee of the BCJ podcast, Trace Pountas. They sell freshly roasted gourmet coffee shipped directly to you. The coffee beans are roasted to order your order and shipped out immediately. Every bag of beans we ship has the roast date clearly printed on it, you know your coffee is fresh. You've heard of single origin coffee. Trace Pountas Coffee is one level higher. Their coffee comes from a single family farm. Specifically, our high quality beans come from the Race Family Coffee Farm located near the town of Trace Pountas in Brazil. They offer gourmet coffee beans in four roast profiles, light, medium, dark, and French. They ship the coffee directly to you in either whole whole bean, pre-ground or pre-ground 12-ounce packages, plus they have just added the ability to buy K-Cups. You can find Trace Pountas Coffee at www.tracepountas.com slash coffee. All coffee order, orders are roasted fresh for you and shipped out immediately. Like I said, 12-ounce bags, whole bean or ground or K-Cups. You can choose between light, medium, dark, and French roast. Uh, you go to www.tracepontas.com slash coffee. Shipping is free. Now, what you want to do when you go to the website, you sign up for the coffee subscription. You get freshly roasted beans sent to you every one, two, or four weeks. That's your choice. When you sign up for a coffee subscription, what you want to do is go to checkout. When you get to checkout, enter Bearcats, B-E-A-R-C-A-T-S, at checkout, and that saves you 20% off every bag of coffee in your subscription with that code. Like I said, enter that at checkout www.trespontas.com slash coffee. Dave, let's talk some basketball. You uh you got to take in some of the arena today while you were on campus. First pretty much all of thing, it. Pretty much all of it. First thing that came to mind when you you know kind of walk however you walked in, whether it was on the concourse walking down or Walking out of it, one of the tunnels out onto the floor area. What was the your very very first thought? Um, I would say the first thing that really stood out to me is how much the changes to the the north and south ends, the or not the north and south ends, the east and west ends, where the student sections are, right? Mm-hmm. No. Sure. I think it's north-south. But Okay, north-south. Yes, north-south. Sorry. The north and south ends, how much those changes impact the feel of the, the arena. Because I think the way that those were done before are in very large part, after seeing what I saw today, what made the place feel so boxy and cold and just like it like it was a like a, a glorified high school gym you know what i mean 
mm-hmm. um, seeing the student section lowered and the first row of the student section is now on the floor. And I think it still goes up pretty much the same height that it was, but because you dropped it down that, what was that, like eight feet? Yeah, I mean, it was three or four steps. I'm talking like to the to top cl- of the rail was like eight feet off the floor. Oh, yeah. You dropped that all the way down. So you dropped down and created a bunch of space to, to create an actual like concourse area. It just changes the entire feel of the arena. Uh, it, it makes it so much different. And then kind of the same thing with that club level where the, the suites used to be. Um, that another thing that just gives it much more of an open kind of airy feel that, that that flows between the two, the North and South end. And then you have that club section right there that kind of flows in between that. That's all kind of on the same level. And it just makes the place feel so much more inviting and so much less like a drab, you know, blah high school gym. Um, I know there's some people that were upset or not upset, but didn't like that, you know, the bottom like 10 rows or whatever still retracted, uh, got to walk on those. They do not feel like retractable, bouncy, uh, you know, old high school bleachers anymore, even though those bottom few rows still, you know, go back in for graduations and and other events Mm -hmm. that they'll still have at the arena. You did not get that feeling at all. Um, the bar areas, it's, it's a destination now. And I think Mick talked about, talk to me about, about my personal bar. Which one are you at? I am at the queen city bar. Okay. Um, I don't really have, I don't have, I'm in section two, two eleven. which one is which yet? Oh, I didn't go all the way up to the, the second concourse. We that is uh, that is on the the UC bench side in the incline above the student section. On the UC side. Yes, on the so we're on the first, on the the first level, bench. not on the second level. Well, I guess it's it's the second level because yeah, it's right above the student section. Okay, we didn't go up. Well, no, that's the first. Well, that yeah, second level technically, but I mean in terms of like there's concourse space now for the second deck. Yes. Right. Um, the two bars at the, the two spaces at the end, like right above the student section, like where you walk out of the student section into those two spaces right. are awesome. Awesome. Um, the one we saw, I think predominantly was behind the or was, was across from the opponent's bench. Um, from the, the, the little tour that we took through things. Uh, where they had the um, some elements that looked like the Armory Fieldhouse. They had the wood from the floor of the old Fifth Third Arena that made up the bar. Uh, just really cool space. Wide open. Uh, a lot of room to, like, you know, kind of wander around. It, it didn't look like, and, you know, obviously it'll get crowded when you've got 12,000, 12 people roaming around in there. Sorry, I got the hiccups driving me nuts. Um, <laughs> you got 12,000, 12 people roaming around in there. Um, it's going to get a little crowded, but it didn't look like it was going to be like a complete traffic jam. It didn't look like it was going to be a disaster. Uh, a lot of bar 
I know that's going to be exciting to you. A lot of yeah, bar definitely. space. A lot of bar space. One of my complaints about the old arena was that, I mean, obviously there's a lot, there were a lot, but something that I felt they could have somewhat easily done something about was when you would walk, you know, along those north and south concourse area behind the student section to get from one end to the other, it was just a hundred yard run of plain gray walls. And I would always think, why can't they just put some graphics up or do something like that's not like a knock a wall down and spend a million dollars. Like put some graphics up. How is that all tied? I mean, I know we've seen pictures and a lot of them are cool, but a lot of them the fans won't see because they're in tunnels or, you know, stuff down by the locker room and leading out to the no, there's There's How a lot it? of stuff around the arena, a lot of stuff. And a lot right. of it, they did really smart. Um, because what they've done in a lot of the, like on a lot of the pillars is they have murals on the pillars themselves, but they also have like these, these places for graphics to go over top. So year to year, like if somebody gets, you know, all American or whatever, you can instantly change one of those graphics and honor that person out on the concourse immediately. Like it, it gives them a lot of flexibility and it's very similar to what they're kind of doing with the, um, with like the retired name or the retired jerseys, right? Uh, the, the championship banners, things like that. A lot of that is very modernized now. Um, yeah. I was going to say, how are they displaying all of the years of, of league titles and, appearances in the NCAA tournament and stuff like that. I want to, I want to leave some of the presence still right. under the tree. Understand. Understand. I like that. I, I want to leave some of the presence still under the tree because I, I was explained well, part of that too is I was explained what they were going to look like, but they were still working on some of those details. Uh, and that's going to be going on all the way through probably the opener. Um, I don't think you're going to see an absolutely, 100% detail finished product uh Thursday no, night. No, I don't like I I'm in, I'm anticipating that not every concession stand will be open you know. I mean, stuff I would like think, that. I would think they want to get all that open just to to get a, a I would think they would want to try, but I mean those are the type of things that I you, you know, again, you don't want to rush it though. Yeah. If something's not ready. Right. You just, you know, it's a, it's an exhibition game and I think people will understand that, you know, when you're basically opening up a brand new arena with all of these new amenities that there's bound to be something that isn't quite where it needs to be. So you, you know, you hold off and you fix it during the week before the Ohio State game. Yeah. So I want to leave some presents still under the tree. I don't want to give away everything. Uh, But I I did get a look inside the locker rooms. I got a look inside the players lounge, uh, the new dining hall and kitchen. Uh, I'm even told that the new kitchen will be able to uh, to help some with the uh, the the football team in terms of all their meals and and everything that's that's going to be taken care of there. Um, I think that's going to be a, a really nice because the 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 kitchen that they use like for the uh, for the press box of the of Nippert is on the other side. Like that that's not connected to the Linder Center or to right. the locker rooms or that's not easy access to get things in and out where you can just 
load up a freight elevator and 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 take things where they need to be you got to you know wheel stuff across you know the entire nipper complex and up into the lender center and it's it's not very convenient um now they'll have a kitchen uh that's in fifth third arena that'll be able to use by you know the football team both basketball teams i'm sure a lot of the other people uh in the in the the facility uh will be able to use some of those amenities now which i think are uh, are very nice and was really impressed especially by the locker room and the the training facilities and all the things that they've got back there um one of the biggest things they did and this you know this won't be seen by the public but having all of those roll away bleachers that they had they lost all of that space so you didn't have any ability you weren't using any of the area where those roll away bleachers were right they yeah. they built that down quite a bit and now you've got a lot of room back there that they they can work with now and they can turn into functional space i mean i think that was one of the main problems in terms of on the back end with that facility is that there was very little room to do, to do anything. You know, you had basically that area where the media room was and where the locker rooms were, but there, there weren't room for player lounges. There wasn't room for, um, for a video room that you just didn't have any space for any of that. And now that's all going to be uh, a lot more functional I got to see the the new media room, which is very nice. Uh, we're not in a uh, garage, basically, anymore. Um, so I enjoy that. Um, just overall, I was blown away. If if I wouldn't have known I was standing in that building, I would not have thought it was the same place that I was in 18 months ago or whatever it was when, when they moved out. It, it's just really well done and... I can't wait for everybody to get in there Thursday to see it. Is there anything that surprised you? You were like, you know, maybe it was something you weren't expecting. uh, Like I said, I I mean, I I just go back to what I said in the very beginning. I I didn't know that they could create that much space in the North and South end zones. Like that blew me away because that that's what makes it look like just a completely different space, completely different area. And I was down there, uh, you know, I was down there with Mo and uh, with, with Tom Gresham and Justin Williams from The Athletic. And, you know, we, we've been in that building a lot. And it's like, this is not the same building that, that we walked out of. And to be walking back into it for the first time and, and seeing it look like that. I'm kind of glad that I didn't get to see it during the construction. Because that right. that leaves a lot to the imagination, and you start you know thinking, eh, it doesn't look that much different. Or you know, I've talked to some people that went through it a couple times, uh, you know, three four months ago when things were far from being done, and it was like, eh, it's still a box, and still kind of looks like the same building. And now it does not. Um, it, it's it's really impressive. Well, I know I'm excited. We're going to be going. A little early to kind of do some walking around before the game starts. I'm I'm excited to see what kind of new in-game production they're able to do with a non-antiquated 
lighting system and sound system and things along those lines. Sound system, I mean, obviously that stuff wasn't uh, wasn't in. The lighting looked really good. The place was really bright. Uh, the scoreboards were on. Uh, they had the countdown clock. The scoreboard looked awesome. Um, and and uh, let me ease concerns. If anybody hits that thing on a full-court shot, there's no chance the shot was going in. No chance. Or you weren't trying to, to make the shot. You were just trying to hit the scoreboard. I've been I've I've gotten that a lot. Does it does it look like yeah, I don't, can hit I don't think people quite realize how you know on more of a straight line you have to throw a ball to to get it there. Right. Yeah, you're not going to throw it fifty feet up in the air and have it just like drop perfectly through the net. Right. <laughs> I I do not foresee that as a problem. Maybe I'll be wrong. I didn't go test it because. There were guys on the floor in hard hats still working. Today was actually, I think we got lucky. I think today was the first day you could be in it without a hard hat, and I got to go in. So I didn't have to do the hard it would be hat. Fun if they, it would be fun if they played the exhibition game in hard hat. <laughs> Just to add a, a – uh, Tusculum doesn't have Or if, to. like, everybody the no, – the yellow the vest. At the exhibition game got yellow vests or like a commemorative hard hat. <laughs> that would have been a great idea. I think it's a little late. Uh, the not-so-secret secret scrimmage against Notre Dame, we know thanks to uh, our friends on the Notre Dame side of things that the Bearcats were victorious, 66-61. to uh, We know that outside of – they played four 10-minute quarters – Outside of the second quarter, uh, they seem to – I wouldn't say have their way. You don't have your way with anybody when you win by five. But, you know, played pretty well the other three quarters. Uh, Sounds like it was defense as usual. But uh, anything else you are allowed to share from Sunday's scrimmage at Banker's Life Arena? Not really. <laughs> they they want to keep a there we go a, a pretty tight lid on things. Um, it, you know, some of it's what I've I've put on the board. Um, you know, I think there was some encouragement, not encouragement that, that uh, people will take this wrong, but uh, they were able to score sixty six points, and and Jaron and Kane didn't shoot particularly well from the perimeter. Uh, so I think that was encouraging. I think it was encouraging. They felt like they got a pretty balanced attack. Um. It didn't all come, you know, it wasn't Jaron scored 35 and the team scored 66. Um, I think, you know, when people think of this team at this point, they feel like, you know, that's the type of team it's going to be. Um, that wasn't the case. Uh, I was also told at, at Notre Dame, they're young, they've got some talent, but it's going to be probably a pretty rough season for them. Uh, I did hear Cincinnati did a really good job on Temple Gibbs. Uh, didn't allow him to hurt them. Uh, DJ Harvey and Prentice Hub played pretty well uh, for for Notre Dame, um, but defensively, I, I think the the UC staff was happy with what they were able to accomplish. And it sounds like outside of a pretty bad, they played four ten minute quarters. Outside of a, of a bad second quarter uh, where turnovers were an issue, uh, it sounds like the offense played pretty well in the other three quarters. So. The, overall, it sounds like 
they were uh, they were very happy with what they were able to get out of the scrimmage, getting to go up and, and play uh, an ACC team in Notre Dame. Uh, I believe that's the first time Notre Dame's done a super secret scrimmage under Mike Bray. Uh, so th- that was it was a new deal for them. Cincinnati had one a couple years ago against Indiana State, but from everything I had heard about that one, there really wasn't there it what there wasn't a competition. Cincinnati just outclassed Indiana State, and it ended up being kind of an exhibition game. Uh, so I feel like right. they they felt like they got a lot out of it uh, in terms of you know Ohio State's coming up. Let's let's get against another another real team and and see where we're at against you know other high level high major Division one players. And I think the end result was was they were pretty happy with what they got out of it. Uh, both in terms of, you know, playing well in some areas that they wanted to play well and also, you know, exposing some things that they thought they needed to fix. So uh, all in all, I thought, you know, it was uh, it was a, a positive experience for the Bearcats. Very good. Any, any other basketball nuggets? No, I, I think, you know, just excited to, to get back in the arena on Thursday. Ribbon cutting ceremony at four thirty. I'll have that. Uh, I'll take my phone and I'll put that on uh, Periscope on Twitter. Uh, so so look for my Twitter account. Um, and we'll see everybody there. I, I, I'm excited to see what everybody uh, thinks of the new arena on Thursday night once they get home. And uh, we'll we'll probably crank out. I'm guessing we do two next week. Uh, a football podcast reacting to Navy and and looking ahead to South Florida. Uh, and then try to get we'll squeeze one in with Berg uh, to get a preview for the Ohio State game on next third or next Wednesday night. Um, we'll just have to see how that uh, the timing of all that plays out with uh, Daddy Daycare. And uh, <laughs> yeah, but, but I'm gonna try to I'm gonna try to get two in uh, as opposed to doing one just like hour and a half, two hour really long one. Um, I know those get a little bit uh, tedious for people to to listen to, so I'm gonna try to get two for us next week. Uh, maybe one uh, Monday, something along those lines, uh, and then another one either Tuesday or Wednesday. Well, Tuesday probably. I think we'll probably have to do again with the game on Wednesday. Um, but we'll go from there. I think it's uh, I think it's gonna be an exciting week. I'm looking forward to it. Absolutely. Well. What's the uh, – we forgot the uh, the tailgate over-under on Dave Beers for Navy. Oh, the, tail, the tailgate this week in honor of Navy is uh, USA Red – Yes. So, so like I will be drinking – Burgers, dogs. Yep. Paps Blue all, Ribbon. All the, um, let's not go that far. Although <laughs> I, I do enjoy good a good PBR. Uh, the weather seems like it will cooperate. For some nice fall football and, and beer drinking weather, and I'm sure we'll have some red and blue Jello shots. They don't. They don't do so clear, like, clear or white Jello shots. I don't. I don't know if if we're doing if we'll do those. It's always a mystery what color we get. All right. Red, white, and blue Jello shots. Burgers, dogs. Is there going to be apple pie? Somebody should do an apple pie. I mean, that's. I asked. I asked my mom about that. She said, "Are you going to make one?" I said, "No." <laughs> I'm. I'm only in charge of bringing the beer. 
So, yeah, I'm not not baking an apple pie. Tell her I'll see what I can come up with. I'll see if I can <laughs> see if I can whip up an apple pie. <laughs> I've never made one before, so I don't know if she'd want me to. <laughs> Uh, I handle protein. Uh, Grated cooking meat. That's right. Pie, Mm -hmm. uh, not so much. I'm the same way. All right. Well, I think that's it. What was the over-under on on Dave Simone beers? I'll set it at 7.5. I'm going to take the over this week. 3.30 kick, yeah. You're not starting at 9 o'clock in the morning. The game's not pushed until 3.30 is a a prime, like, 10, a 10 spot. Yep. I'm going to roll that right into LSU-Alabama, so I'm I'm all set for this Saturday. And then it's a, it's a Bengals bye week, so you can sleep on Sunday. Exactly. Yeah, Sound, nothing to do. Sounds perfect. All right, that's going to wrap it up. <laughs> He's Dave Simone. I'm Chad Brendel. We'll see you next time. It's the BCJ Podcast on BearcatJournal.com.